Welcome in to the Saturday edition of the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller, and we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Loaded up newsletter, lots of stuff going on, and oy, have you been feeling the energy. I know you have because I've heard from a lot of you this week. Yeah, it's a real deal. Let's go to the MMACycles.com newsletter. Lots of cool stuff in here in this one. Ray is back from his month-long vacation in Europe. At the end, we're going to hear a really cool accolade, so stay tuned for that. This, of course, is the free newsletter that's published on MMACycles.com by Ray Merriman, who has been doing this since the early 70s with his permission. First of all, we start off with a couple of contrasting articles. The first from CNBC on Friday. Non-farm payrolls increased 253,000 for the month, beating Wall Street's estimates for growth of 180,000, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The unemployment rate was 3.4% against an estimate for 3.6% and tied the lowest level since 1969. Average hourly earnings, a key inflation barometer, rose 0.5% for the month, more than 0.3% estimate, and the biggest monthly gain in a year. Now, this from TechCrunch.com on Friday. Last year's tech-wide reckoning continues. In 2023, layoffs have yet again cost tens of thousands of tech workers their jobs. This time, the workforce reductions have been driven by the biggest names in tech like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Yahoo, and Zoom. The running total of layoffs for 2023, based on full months to date, is 168,243, according to layoffs.fyi. End quote. Now, Ray. It was the week of the Mercury retrograde midpoint on May 2nd and 3rd, plus or minus a day, otherwise known as the inferior conjunction of the Sun and Mercury, the mercury Kazemi or for market timing purposes, the full stride period of the trickster. And what a wild week it was in many financial markets. The middle of the week, mid-Mercury retrograde period, witnessed another rate hike by the Federal Reserve, accompanied with a hint that it may be the last increase for a while. The week ended with conflicting economic reports, as noted by the quotes above. Several companies have announced they will be or already are initiating large layoffs. Yet, the unemployment reports keep showing more people entering the workforce. Perhaps as people are being laid off, they are starting two or three part-time jobs to make up for the loss of income. With Mercury Retrograde, we may not have the full story. These reports are lagging indicators. Things can change quickly as the markets themselves illustrated last week. As an example, the Dow Jones Industrial Average rallied to a new primary cycle high on Monday, May 1st, 34,257. Just three days earlier, it was making a major cycle low, 33,235. The next three days, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 367, 270, and 286 points respectively, bottoming at 32,937 on Thursday, lower than the major cycle low of the prior week. The next day, yesterday, Friday, it was up over 500 points. As noted before, under Mercury retrograde, price swings every one to four days are common. 
I'm just putting aside in here, does that not feel like your life, too, these past couple of weeks? As we approach the Sun-Uranus conjunction, the swings get larger and larger. Commodity markets also exhibited sharp but brief price swings last week. Gold soared to 2085 on Thursday, May 4th, still within the one-day orb of that Mercury retrograde midpoint, and just less than $4 off its all-time high of 2089 back on August 7, 2020. One day later, it was down nearly $80 from that high. Crude oil fell to $63.5 on Thursday, slightly below its earlier cycle low of March 20th, and then on Friday was testing $72. Thursday's yearly low looks like a classic Mercury retrograde fake-out. Now the short-term geocosmics and longer-term thoughts. And this is a quote from the Forecast 2023 book, the chapter on Spring of 2023. This was written in October of 2022. The book is available on MMACycles.com, and the audiobook, which I got to narrate, is on Audible and iTunes. Listen to this excerpt, written in October 2022 now. The most important geocosmic development centers around Mars making a T-square with the Jupiter-Pluto square as Jupiter enters Taurus on May 16th. This can be problematic in a variety of ways, especially from May 9th to the 23rd. Because Pluto is involved, it may relate to finances again and the possibility of raising taxes and an escalating world debt situation. Pluto can also pertain to crop damage or threats to human lives caused by either nature or human activity that tries to coerce others to its will. Furthermore, with Jupiter square Pluto, there may be a high-profile bankruptcy or surprisingly large loss of funds reported. Where did they go? How could one entity lose so much and thus threaten the financial fabric of that nation or even of the world? Financially, this can be a dangerous time for financial matters, and financial markets may be subject to large losses either into or following this period. End quote. It's almost like having a crystal ball, isn't it? Pertaining to the above quote, the banking and financial issues suddenly erupted just as spring was about to begin, mid-March. And now, as we approach the fixed T-square of Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto, another financial threat is immediately ahead. The U.S. risks running out of funds to cover its debts, the debt ceiling limit crisis. Now here's a quote from last week's column, and has been mentioned before. Jupiter square Pluto does have a history of correlating with financial panics, maybe 50% of the time within a four-month orb. Along the way, the Sun will conjoin Uranus, disruption, on May 9th in Taurus, the sign of money. I think we will see very huge movements in financial markets around that time, lasting through May 23rd and maybe beyond. That's the end of the quote from last week. Thus, there is an abundance of geocosmic factors to weigh this week. For instance, the Sun will conjoin Uranus on Tuesday, May 9th. This is a big reversal signature, 
with an 83% correlation to primary cycles in stock indices within 14 trading days. That's per studies reported in the Ultimate Book on Stock Market Timing, Volume 3, Geocosmic Correlation to Trading Cycles, published by MMACycles.com. But we also know that this aspect can coincide with breakouts and breakdowns if prices are near yearly highs or lows. At the same time, Mercury is retrograde, which we know has a reputation for breaking out of support or resistance zones, only to quickly retreat again in a fakeout. So what will it be this time? A breakout, a fakeout, a reversal, or all three? I think all three, and in that order. We already see the setup in the Japanese Nikkei index, where a new yearly high has just formed. But it is already in the 18th week of a 12 to 20 week primary cycle in the Nikkei. It's late, and that's when false signals are the most apt to appear, even if they have broken out to new yearly highs. With Jupiter involved in the forthcoming T-square of Mars-Jupiter-Pluto, we must also alert to a major reversal in crude oil. It may have just formed, but there could be a four to nine day secondary bottom, it's known as the Lindall Wiggle, in the May 16th plus or minus a week three-star geocosmic critical reversal time band. The geocosmic climate is wild and it implies huge profit opportunities may be underway. But that also means the risks of losses are greater than usual. The next two weeks may be a short-term trader's dream with such potential for large price swings. However, it could also be a nightmare to innocent people who only wish for peace and an opportunity to live their life freely without the threat of coercion from madmen who are responsible for the deaths of thousands of people, but claim someone else is trying to assassinate them. Under Jupiter with Pluto, and with Mars, such claims can be exaggerated. However, the dangers posed by these individuals are not likely exaggerated. This is a time to be very wary of exaggerated claims or promises by those with an underlying agenda that involves cover-ups and danger to others. Now, this last little section, and then I'm going to have some commentary on this week if you'd like to listen to that, and then we'll kind of button up with some announcements and slide on out of here. But this is really cool from the standpoint that I will comment after we read it. But listen to this little closing from Ray. He says, On my recent one-month trip to Europe, I had the honor of meeting with one of Europe's, if not the world's, leading mundane astrologers, Dr. Christoph Niederwieder. Christoph is also a scholar of astrological history. At our meeting, he shared the importance of my role in a time-honored tradition in astrology, my annual forecast book, which has been written every year since 1976. In his words, he said, yes, you are definitely in an honorable tradition with the yearly almanacs. I did quite some research on this subject in 2018 to 2020, when I was invited as a visiting fellow at the University of Erlangen to write two of my prognostication books. They had a wealth of scientific literature regarding the history of astrology. Among my findings, the peak of almanac popularity 
was 1580 to 1610. Afterwards, a slow decline set in. The final fall of astrology was mainly because of all the incorrect forecasts that astrologers had made over the decades in order to raise sales with spectacular headlines of catastrophes. This had been overexcited, especially during the Thirty Years' War from 1618 to 1648. The major event that made people very skeptical towards astrology was the solar eclipse of August 1654. Astrologers held a public dispute whether this eclipse will be full or partial. Hence, people thought, if they can't tell if it will be full or partial, how can they make predictions on wars and famines and weather, etc.? And on the MMACycles.com version online, there are several attribution links here if you'd like to look into this more. Ray says, So there you have it. The annual forecast books have revived a tradition in astrology that reached its pinnacle during the latter stages of the great European Renaissance. I am proud to be a modern-day version of this time-honored tradition of almanacs utilizing astrology. It is with pleasurable anticipation that I research and write this almanac every year and hope to continue for at least 50 years in total, which will culminate in three years. Thank you, Christoph, for giving me a sense of one of my places in the history of astrology. As a double Capricorn, with Uranus and the lunar north node conjoined near the midheaven, I value this historical information and my role in this noble study. And that concludes the newsletter, but can you not feel the emotion that I could feel in having been allowed to record this year's forecast book, especially this year? So I would say thank you, Ray, and the team at MMACycles.com for the privilege of narrating this year's book. I love that I've been, <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but have been able to work with Steve Forrest, Robert Glasscock, and Ray Merriman. Wow. That's nearly 200 combined years of astrological research, knowledge, practice, and communication. Now, before we slide out for this episode, a couple of things. First of all, the moon enters Sagittarius this afternoon at 4.03, and then tomorrow Venus enters Cancer. That happens at 10.24 in the morning, both Eastern times. Didn't mention that on Friday because we were tied up with the eclipse, but there are your at least exact aspects over the weekend. And yes, I've been feeling it. My friends have been feeling it. Listeners have been feeling it. We're discussing it on the Facebook group a little bit. Everybody's kind of just like, blah. So you're not alone, bottom line. This has been a very emotional week for me on several fronts. We will be doing Level Up tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook and also the YouTube channel. Now, you know that quote where Ray went back and said from last week, Jupiter square Pluto does have a history of correlating with financial panics, maybe half the time within four months. And along the way, this Tuesday, the sun conjoins Uranus. And then he says, I think we can see very huge movements in financial markets around that time lasting through May 23rd and maybe beyond. I get on Twitter for two things, basically. Astrology and the markets. <laughs> Go figure, right? That's what's on my Twitter feed. Well, I follow a couple of guys, both who are interesting in their own right, both who are fairly accurate, 
One is kind of a bull and one is kind of a bear. The bull looked at the formation of the last three days of trading last week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and said basically back up the wheelbarrow, buy two-week-out calls, and sell puts against them all through the next two weeks. He said it's one of the most bullish signatures that the chart can have. This is not financial advice. I am just regurgitating what I saw on Twitter, not at all advising that you do that or that he's right. But the other guy, who is a chronic bear, see how he put this. He said, if the VIX does not hit 26 by Tuesday, I will drink a case of Coors while dressed up as a drag queen. (laughs) He's a retired farmer in Canada, but he's a mathematician. And his last two predictions of the VIX hitting some particular spot recently, like in the last few weeks, were dead on. So there you go. There's a bull perspective and a bear perspective. And what he was saying, the volatility index or the VIX, if it hits 26, then the market crashes. Maybe it's both. Maybe there's a crash followed by a big rally or a big rally followed by a crash. But there's exactly what Ray is talking about. And we're only at the midpoint of this retrograde. My dad was a retail stockbroker, been following the market since I was in diapers, probably, really. And the market always climbs a wall of worry. That's a mantra right up there with don't fight the Fed or goes up like the stairs and down like an elevator. (laughs) Those are your your market principles right there. Well, there's plenty to worry about if you were so inclined about this market. What do I think? I kind of agree. Yes. Yes. (laughs) both and or uh uh-huh i mean the thing is how do you predict uranus and mercury retrograde that's the point here and what i'm doing this trading for is primarily life lessons because i am learning so much about myself by immersing into it probably at a deeper level than i have any other time in my life except one other little period back in the 1990s that i'm probably more immersed in it right now but coming at it from a completely different energy than I did back then. And that's the journey for me. This is a soul journey, not a financial journey. I'm going into the recesses of my past, not just past years, past lives. And astrology is showing me the way. It's telling me where to look. So it is really, truly amazing. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for a little Saturday stop in. I love you so much. This is the podcast where we tell each other, I love you. So I hope you have a great weekend. And we will be back with bells on our toes for whatever this thing throws at us next week or before. (laughs) 